The views and opinions of this program are those of the host guests and callers. There is substantial risk of loss in trading futures and options, which you should carefully consider prior to trading. Market Talk is supported by Growmark and its FS and Grain Member Cooperatives. More information is available at growmark.com. Bringing you the ag information you need, this is Market Talk. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Now, here's your host, Jesse Allen. And welcome into Markets on day number two, live at Commodity Classic in Orlando, Florida. Happy to be here once again as we are enjoying the sights and sounds that is Commodity Classic. I'm your host, Jesse Allen. Appreciate you taking time out of your day to join us here make us part of your daily conversations we talk to markets talk issues impacting rural america here on market talk we are with the national core growers association once again booth 1603 and really enjoying our time here with ncga and learning and talking about all things corn here during the commodity classic we are going to talk to markets as well coming up here as we wrap up a, a fairly volatile week not really trading supply and demand fundamentals but more the headlines we're going to talk to brian doherty of total farm marketing coming up here in segment three at the bottom of the hour so definitely stay tuned for that but i want to dive into some issues surrounding corn we're going to talk a lot today about trade and various issues surrounding trade and, and various wins surrounding trade as well when it comes to the corn industry joining us once again here today day troy schneider mdat chairman is with us troy good to have you back with me i guess uh, you decided to come back for another round here today oh, we appreciate it it's always good to be with you thank you for the time and also joining us today jim bauman ep of market development and operations with ncga jim thank you for joining us here on market talk glad to join jesse great to be here let's dive right in and let's start with our friends in the eu first as we talk trade we're going to get to the mexican issues here in a little bit and I, I want to focus on that here a little later, but I want to start with the EU. A, a lot of collaboration here. Obviously, long-time trading partner of the United States, the EU. Uh, catches up to speed on some of the different things that we're looking at here. Let's just dive into this, Troy. Obviously, a lot of collaboration, the EU collaboration platform. I know you represented NCGA in Brussels here recently. Talk about that and just where things stand when it comes to trade between the two countries, or, well, the U.S. and the EU. Yeah, I was uh, very fortunate to represent the National Corn Growers Association in December on a U.S. trade mission, USDA trade mission to Brussels, Belgium. Um, the collaboration platform on agriculture is a conversation that the USDA has started with its counterpart, DG Agri, over in the EU to maybe in, in a soft way offset the European Ag Outlook Forum. And the European Ag Outlook Forum was held later that week. It was the ninth annual Ag Outlook Forum. This is where the farm to fork, the Green Deal is coming through, or coming from, I should say. And some of those policies that we all sit back and look at and go, they want to limit agriculture how much? Mm -hmm. Where are you going to get your food from? Where are you going? How are you going to implement this? And so I think kudos to the USDA for, hey, let's have a conversation. So they took 30 entities from the United States, National Corn Growers, American Soybean, our friends from U.S. Grains Council, NCBA, National Cattlemen's Beef was there, Indigo, other groups. And we just had that conversation, you know, each day we talked about what the policies are and how 
they would affect not only the farmers in Europe, but if they want a mirror image, a mirror policy, what's that going to do to us in the United States? And mm -hmm. we had we had a great representative in Ted McKinney, their former undersecretary, Ted McKinney, and he was free to speak on the fact that the only way we can feed fuel and fiber this world is with the technology we have today. J Undersecretary Jason Hoffmeister had a wonderful illustration of yeah. the implementation of technology over the years and the rise in production as the implementation of that new technology, whether it be hybrid seed, GMO corn, uh, name you name it. Yeah. And it, it just tied in. And he picked in front of the European Union, he picked corn to highlight. And so the corn farmers around the world around this country should be proud of that, that they were they were highlighted on our productivity and our sustainability. Well, and obviously trying to work together and collaborate, and you mentioned some of the things that, you know, the EU, they're looking at doing with the Green Deal, et cetera, and, and try to figure out, you know, where are they going to get their food if they limit agriculture so much? So I, I think about that collaboration, and we talked a lot yesterday about using science mm -hmm. and the science-based perspective, and I think that's so important is it, at least we can have that open dialogue and share with our friends in the EU the science, the data that is there to say, hey, you know, what we're doing is good. This is good stuff that we're doing. I, I think that's so important to try and keep that dialogue and that conversation open. Yeah, Jesse, you're, you're spot on. And it was great for us to be a part of this because, to your point, the EU has been uh, kind of the early adopter of a lot of things we've seen that come across over the U.S., whether that's a five or 10 year uh, lead time. So being there early, telling our story, uh, having that opportunity to be on the ground in their in their backyard uh, and to have that conversation and really to tell the, tell the story of modern ag in the U.S., uh, there's a huge value there. There is a huge value there. What are some of the key areas of focus that we're really looking at right now with the EU throughout you know, as we continue our collaboration efforts and working with them, what are some of the big areas that especially NCGA is really looking at? Well, you've always got the, the, the GMO issue there. Yeah. Then they also have, okay, they want to reduce their, their MRLs, their pesticides that are used over there. They would like more cover crops. So those are three things there. They talked about methane gas emissions, and they want to limit the, the amount of livestock per hectare over there. So it's just an ongoing uh, mindset or a dialogue on what they're thinking and what we're thinking. I and mean, one of the things that was brought up uh, a couple times over there is wanting to go away from a protein or a meat-based diet and go to a, a, just a grain-fed diet and mm -hmm. what that would mean in dietary needs, concerns, uh, and we need to address that because that would change the health and well-being of our, our world population. Well, as we think about working together with the EU, got about a minute here before we hit the break. What's the what's the big thing that, that farmers and ranchers, you know, at home listening, our corn farmers really need to take away from the work that NCGA is doing with the EU? What are the, what do they need to think about here as we continue forward? I think the main thing would be my main takeaway to your listeners would be you have a wonderful voice, whether it be with the National Corn Growers Association or National Cattlemen's Beef Association any trade or any grower organization that we have in this country, we have such a strong voice in Washington, D.C. with our grower members when they take time to call in and to enter into conversations with their elected officials on matters that concern them back home on the farm. And I think that is where what I got to see over in the European Union, the farmers told us when we were meeting with them, 
they do not feel appreciated. They feel like they are not wanted over there. Mm-hmm. So they've lost the public sentiment. And that is the one thing we have to keep on our side is the public sentiment. If we can keep that going forward, we can do anything. Well, fantastic thoughts. And again, we are talking all things corn here during Commodity Classic on Market Talk today. Troy Schneider, Jim Bauman with us here from NCGA. Coming up, we're going to get into the Mexico GMO free decree issue. We're going to talk about that on the way next. We're back with more Market Talk live from Commodity Classic right after this. Today's episode of Market Talk is supported by Growmark and its FS and Grain Member Cooperatives. More information is available at growmark.com. Why are more people heating their homes with FS Propane? Because it's better to work with a company that lives and works in the same community that you do. When it comes to the comfort of your family, trust FS. We have highly trained service professionals who monitor your system for proper operation, safety, and maximum efficiency so you can be sure that FS Propane will leave your family with a good, warm feeling all season long. Contact your local FS Propane specialist today. FS Propane feels like home. Visit fspropane.com for more information. The average American eats 250 eggs per year, which translates to a total annual consumption of 76.5 billion eggs in the U.S. About 60% of eggs produced here in the U.S. are used by consumers and about 9% are used by the food service industry. A chef's hat is said to have a pleat for each of the many ways you can cook eggs. The color can range from white to deep brown. Hens with white feathers and earlobes lay white shelled eggs, while hens with red feathers and earlobes lay brown shelled eggs. Because breeds that lay brown eggs are typically slightly larger birds, they require more food, making brown eggs usually more expensive than white. You can tell whether an egg is fresh or stale by dropping it in water. A fresh egg will sink, but a stale one will float. Eggs also contain all the essential protein, minerals, and vitamins, and egg yolks are one of the few foods that naturally contain vitamin D. And eggs are also good for your eyes because they contain lutein, which helps prevent age-related cataracts and muscle degeneration. These farm facts brought to you by the American Ag Network. On the internet, there are tons of special networking websites, but one stands apart. This one saves lives. It's MatchingDonors.com. MatchingDonors.com links organ donors with people in need of kidney and other transplants. Did you know in the U.S., 19 people die each day waiting for an organ transplant? If you've ever considered becoming a living organ donor, or if you're someone in need of an organ transplant, please visit MatchingDonors.com. Take a look under your bed. Find stuff under there? What about jobs? No? Now try your basement. There's a pair of overalls that overall you're not so into anymore. A perfectly good laptop that hasn't sat in your lap in months. And even more stuff, but still no jobs? Well, you really have both. See, stuff is defined as household articles considered as a group. Sometimes this stuff is no longer needed. Wait, no longer needed? That can't be right. Because remember those jobs you were looking for? Those are really needed, and they're the stuff inside your stuff. Even inside that winter coat that moved with you to Phoenix. Our job is to unlock those jobs, and it starts when you donate your stuff to your local Goodwill. Here's how we do it. When you donate to Goodwill, we sell your stuff to provide job training for people right here in your community. So just by teaming up with Goodwill, you help create jobs. And isn't that worth parting with the leftover guitar from your 80s cover band? Goodwill. Donate stuff, create jobs. Find your nearest donation center at goodwill.org. A message from Goodwill and the Ad Council.
This episode of Market Talk is supported by Growmark and its FS and Grain Member Cooperatives. More information is available at growmark.com. Stay up to date and listen to past episodes online at markettalkag.com. Now, back to Market Talk with Jesse Allen. And we continue here from Commodity Classic in Orlando, Florida, with our friends at the National Corn Growers Association. Jesse Allen back with you here. We're broadcasting live from NCGA booth 1603, right inside the trade show doors. You can't miss us. And uh, if you are uh, here, stop by. And if you are also, uh, you know, just making your way around the show here the next couple of days, really great to uh, check things out here and see all the innovation that is going on in agriculture. We continue our discussion around corn. We're talking a lot about trade and trade issues today. Troy Schneider, Jim Bauman with the National Corn Growers Association still with me here. And Gentlemen, let's uh, let's get into the Mexico issue. This is something that has just come up here in the last couple of months. It is extremely it's extremely concerning, I think, to farmers across the country as we're hearing about this Mexican GMO-free decree. I know there's been some changes here just the last couple of weeks from the Mexico side. We've advanced forward a little bit with our, our you know towards a trade dispute, so to speak. So, can we just start? to refresh for our listeners and get us caught up to speed on where things stand right now with this whole issue. Sure. Uh, so, yeah, Jesse, uh, I guess a good tie-in is actually from our previous part of the session as well. Yeah. Uh, a lot of the pressures that, that Mexico's using to uh, justify this decree is coming from outside pressures, such as uh, food uh, fork and those types of programs. So uh, really where we're at right now with Mexico, they have a new decree on the table. Uh, it, it essentially prohibits the use of GMO uh, white corn in any food grade uh, products. Mm -hmm. And they've left the door open for yellow corn as well. So essentially saying uh, they they want to get to the point where they will stop using yellow corn for any purposes in the country. Uh, But right now uh, they've they've left it open to where until they find a suitable replacement for that, uh, for that uh, product, uh, they'll continue to bring in uh, GMO uh, corn into the country. So, uh, from NCJ standpoint, uh, extremely concerning uh, because it obviously clearly violates uh, the USMCA uh, treaty that we have on trade. Um, it violates all the uh, the scientific reasons around uh, that we have built into the USMCA, um, and it's really more of a philosophical approach that they're trying to, uh, to push into this and, and, and interrupt trade with that country. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you're looking at Mexico, uh, they, on average, historically have imported about. Uh, 17 million tons of yellow yellow corn. That's not something you can just turn off. That's no. not something you find a replacement for overnight. Um, so it, it's it's very 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 disconcerting uh, the, the path they've been on, uh, and we continue to keep up the pressure around that. Uh, and that means reaching out to uh, the current administration here in the U.S. Uh, to put pressure through the USTR uh, to look at an, opening up an enforcement case uh, regarding USMCA on this violation. Um, the latest announcement we had this week, which is good, positive yes. news from uh, from from the administration, is they are going to open up a technical consultation yes. with Mexico. So that is a important first step. Mm-hmm. Uh, kicks off a essentially a thirty day time time period where they will reach out to Mexico to start having these these discussions. Um, but we are we're going to continue to watch it very closely because we also don't want to see this drag on uh, mm-hmm. and, and and not see progress towards a resolution. Well, and corn, we know, is the number one ag export to Mexico. And it's it just it something feels weird that they're singling out corn 
from the U.S. I mean, and, and Troy, we've had this conversation as well. Like, why are they not picking on our friends at the soybean side? Why are they not picking on wheat? Why are they not picking on the beef industry or something like why why corn to start why just corn it's and and a lot of it is, it's not science based either what they're coming up with correct and we don't want them to pick on anybody we want yeah. them to follow the letter of the law the agreement of the USMCA and honor that contract and the thing that you know bothers me the most as a corn producer is they changed that decree around Valentine's Day from a ban in 2024, January 2024, yes. and they lifted it. It was good news. They lifted it on yellow corn. I, I was happy to see that progress, but the immediate impl implementation of white corn ban as of that time, if I'm reading, if I read it correctly, my concern there is we have farmers in southern Texas that mm -hmm. they have their corn in the ground already. They have made their plans. Even if you go up to, and we've had a, a good friend of ours at NCJ, Andy Jobman, up in Nebraska. He raises about 40% of his crop is white corn. He's already made his cash flow plans. He's purchased his seed. He's made his plans. And for that to be changed with the snap of a finger and with what Jim said earlier, with that statement, until they can find a suitable alternative, when will they make, if this stands, when will they be allowed to ban all yellow GMO corn mm -hmm. and not have any warning? And that, you know, we export 17% of our national product of corn each year abroad. Of that 17%, almost 5% of the national crop goes to Mexico. I think if I'm doing my math right, somewhere in there. We can't stand to have 5% of the national crop dumped on our carryout each year. That'll wreck what we have going on the Chicago Board of Trade. If yes. everybody thinks we have a mess going right now with the last couple of weeks and the, some of the trading issues we've had and on sales, wait until that happens. So we have to be positive. We need everybody's voice moving forward to say, we've got to hold them to a science-based resolution on this. And there has to be a reason why, because otherwise it's a dead letter if they're allowed to pull out of the, the USMCA on this. Or not pull out, but change it yeah jim go ahead and jesse two additional points i'd have back to your question too is you know why does why should soybeans or wheat or others pay attention to this um we're the first it sets a very yeah. dangerous precedence that other u.s ag products could be impacted by this uh, could it be ex extended to even uh value-added products such as uh animal exports that consume said said feed ingredients so uh, it's a very dangerous presence to be on um and yeah, and that's, that's the main thing I want to stress is that uh, everybody should be paying attention to this. Um, and even if you are a, a, a livestock producer um, and you're looking at, okay, yes, they would, could potentially lose this market. Is that a good thing for me as far as availability of grain in the U.S. for maybe one year? But eventually what happens is the market adjusts. We go back to having a smaller total production of corn in the U.S., which means it's a smaller pool for everybody to be trying to pull from. So it's actually detrimental to those consumers of corn down down the chain. So it's very important that we have a broader demand. It justifies broader production, which provides more uh, security from year to year as far as corn production in the US. So obviously we have the technical consultations going on right now, which if something, if a resolution is not found there, then that's the next step of the chain to go to a full trade dispute. So it, it, it feels like as much as we want to get this issue resolved sooner than later, this issue is something, it's going to take us some time here. So from the from the corn farmer's perspective, a, a grower in 
southern Minnesota and South Dakota and Iowa, Nebraska. What what is the what is the short term? What is the the long term that I need to think about and keep in mind here as I'm listening to updates on this issue and as NCGA is advocating along with folks at the USTR and more to get this decree and, and figure this out with Mexico. Yeah, the one of the biggest things we need right now is is yeah. continued advocacy and outreach pressure from the Hill. Sure. So pressure from delegates back to the USTR uh, to continue up the uh, the process on this. Um, I think. Having that direction, that guidance, continue to work through the process has already been started and get to a a, a hope. Well, ideally, a perfect world would be that Mexico pulls the decree back. Yes. Outside of that, it's continue down the path we're on, looking for an enforcement case and, and see where that see where that goes. Mm-hmm. Troy, I would add to that just what Jim said on reaching out to your elected officials to um, you know to the USDA and tell them how important it is, but also to know that you have organizations like the National Corn Growers Association going to bat for you with not only your membership dollars, but also, I'm gonna say it, with your checkoff dollars, because it is education. It is reaching out and explaining why things are important. No, it's not necessarily lobbying on that side, but it is education. It is what is important, why things should be working a certain way, and how we need to move forward. Well, it's definitely an issue that, again, not going to go anywhere anytime soon, but the efforts that NCGA is putting in to, you know, work on behalf of our cord farmers. Uh, real quick, before we hit the bottom of the hour here, any final thoughts on this issue that we that we haven't covered you guys want to mention real quick? The main thing I would drive home for the listeners today is if you are interested in this, you want to keep tracking it, keep tuning in to stuff that's coming from NCGA. We will, yeah. we're, we're definitely going to keep pushing this forward. We're not going to let this uh, lapse. And we will be asking for a lot of help uh, from our from our grassroots membership uh, in, in the coming weeks, months, et cetera, as this moves forward. And those farmers out there can go to ncj.com and look at uh, take the take action icon, yep. and it'll lead you to your de- your delegate body and help you form a letter. Advocate, make your voice be heard as we continue to work against uh, this issue with Mexico's GMO corn decree. We're going to talk more with Troy and Jim coming up here a little later in the show up next. We're going to talk markets as we wrap up the week. Brian Doherty with Total Farm Marketing joins us next back with more markets to talk right after this. Market Talk is supported by Grow Market, its FS and grain member cooperatives. More information can be found online at growmark.com. Paid non-attorney spokesperson. Are you over the age of 60 and been diagnosed with lung cancer? If so, you and your family may qualify for a cash award. Our experienced attorneys are standing by to evaluate whether you have a lung cancer claim that qualifies you for a cash award. The consultation is absolutely free and there is no risk and no money out of pocket. We only receive a fee when we secure you and your family a settlement. 250,000 people are diagnosed with lung cancer every year. You're not alone in this battle. We can help make sure that you and your family are financially safe and that medical expenses are covered. Again, if you've been diagnosed with lung cancer and are over age 60, call now. Don't delay. There are deadlines for filing claims. We're standing by 24-7. Call us at 1-844-903-1744. 1-844-903-1744. That's 1-844-903-1744. Attorney Advertising. William Stephacker Jr. is the attorney responsible for this ad. Main office, Grant, Pennsylvania. May not be available in all states.
The UN Secretary General arrived in Ukraine yesterday to meet with Ukrainian President Zelensky in order to discuss the renewal of the Black Sea Export Corridor that is now set to expire a week from tomorrow. Russia is reportedly resistant again as they were back at the initial deal's renewal in November, saying that they want their own egg and fertilizer exports to be included in the initiative. Ukraine is also asked to include Mykolaiv, their former number two port, to the deal in order to speed up their own exports that have been slowed by slow-walked Russian inspections. Markets have remained optimistic that a deal will get done, though the risk is still clearly present with the two sides digging in further for intensifying fighting in Ukraine's east. Regardless, though, we'll likely know more about this next week as that deadline approaches. Now, China has helped play power broker in reestablishing diplomatic relations between Iran and Saudi Arabia with a joint announcement coming from the three countries on Friday today, following four days of previously underwrapped talks in Beijing. The two Middle Eastern powers have long been at odds with one another and formally cut ties back in 2016 when the Saudi Arabian embassy in Iran's capital was violently stormed. Since then, though, the two have backed opposite sides in proxy wars in Yemen, Syria, and other places. Saudi Arabia has also accused Iran of attacking oil facilities in the country as well as tankers in the Gulf separating the two, which Iran has denied. With global geopolitical tensions continuing to rise, it's been interesting to keep an eye on those taking sides. China has been doing its best to spread its influence both in the Middle East and elsewhere around the world with the goal of countering the U.S. Let's get a look at the closing commodity numbers. March corn up five and three quarters at six twenty-four and a quarter. March beans down seven at fifteen thirteen. Wheat Chicago March up thirteen and a quarter at six sixty-six and three quarters. Kansas City March up twenty-five at eight eleven and a quarter. And the March Minneapolis wheat that's down twenty-three and a half at eight eleven and a half. Live cattle April down fifty-two at one sixty-four twenty-seven. And the April lean hogs they're up two thirty-seven at eighty-seven forty-five. For the American Ag Network, I'm Richard Ristvet. What do Mick Jagger, Barbara Walters, and Star Jones all have in common? They've all suffered from something called heart valve disease. Heart valve disease affects 11 million Americans, and if left untreated, can lead to death. Unfortunately, less than one in four Americans have much knowledge of this disease that kills more than 25,000 people every year. The good news is that if heart valve disease is treated, patients can recover and live long, happy, and productive lives. But in order to treat heart valve disease, you need to know if you have it. If you or your loved ones are over the age of 65, have been treated with radiation to the chest, have been diagnosed with a heart murmur, or have a history of heart disease, it's time to listen to your heart. Ask your doctor today about screening for heart valve disease. A message brought to you by Heart Valve Voice U.S. For more information about the symptoms and treatment for valve disease, go to heartvalvevoice-us.org. Market Talk is supported by Growmark and its FS and grain member cooperatives. More information is available at growmark.com. Market information that matters to you on Market Talk. Now, back to Jesse Allen. And we continue here from Commodity Classic in Orlando, Florida, with our friends at the National Corn Growers Association, Booth 1603. And let's dive into the market trade as we wrap up the week. It's been a it's been a rough week in this market trade, pretty much across the board. Joining me now here on location, always great to talk with uh, my good friend Brian Doherty, Senior Market Advisor at Total Farm Marketing. Brian, good to see you in person, sir. It Hope is, you're doing well. Jess. Good to be here. Yeah. Uh, honored to be here and honored to be on your show. So uh, yeah. w- wish I had better news in a couple weeks down in the grain markets, oh, but uh, but at man. least it was a good Friday for corn and wheat. They yeah. sprung back. 
and beans are hanging in there. But yeah, two consecutive big down weights in corn. Corn over 20 cents down this week and beans over 10 cents down. Tough week. Yeah, tough week. And it's just, you know, obviously you alluded to it. An okay day on Friday, giving us maybe just a little positivity, so to speak, here, you know, with corn. But I mean, just the amount of chart damage that's been done is, is concerning to me, especially on the corn side. You know, we're sitting here with the corn growers. I mean, you know, I look at Deese corn now, you know, getting down there to levels, you know, 550 levels. I mean, talk about just the corn market first, some of that chart damage you've seen there this week. Yeah, so let's let's talk on that new crop corn. So so it was pushing up against that $6 mark and couldn't get through it, couldn't get there. We hit a recent high of 597 and started to slip. And uh, that's really been the case, Jess, in the corn market since October. Yeah. Uh, October, we, we saw uh, the, the May contract, uh, or March contract at that time, slipped off the table, moved from near $7 to $6.35. And then it started getting dry in Argentina, so that pushed the corn market back higher. But again, we got up to a level where, uh, it, on a technical signal, one of the signals I like is, you know, can the market get through the upper Bollinger Band? And it just kept hitting that Bollinger Band. And, and my, my analogy has been, as I talk to a lot of people, a lot of farmers, is, well, you look at these fundamentals, you look at Ukraine and Argentina, and how do you, you know, how do you justify the market not going up or going down? I said, the problem is, though, when you, when you get a group of people in a room, as an analogy, and all the members of the room are bullish corn, but nobody's buying. And that, that's what happens mm -hmm. at the top of the market. You're not getting that perceptive view of, hey, corn's going to get through $6.95 or $7 and going to $7.15, I want to buy. What you get is people saying, well, it should go higher, but I'm not going to buy it. Somebody else will. Well, nobody else did. Exports remain slow. And the other problem was during the entire month of February, the dollar worked higher. Mm -hmm. And again, these ideas and actual higher interest rates are creeping into the market at a real cost. I think farmers were aggressively selling corn in February as well. Yeah, and I think I was going to say, I think farmers were aggressively selling corn on Thursday. Just the way that looked, kind of the spread action, it felt like that might have been the case on Thursday. That right? might have been the case with guys who said, oops, I better get something done. Yeah. But I, I think most of that there was liquidation in the fund market and margin call liquidation because sure. you just get to a point where people, you know, okay, I'm, I'm down this week, but it'll come back next. And it doesn't come back and it doesn't come back. And finally you look at uh, markets off or you have uh, 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 software packages that, yep. that are, look, we're hitting this level. You're selling more contracts, more contracts. So the funds were entrenched. Now it's hard to get a good number be because the CFTC had some cybersecurity issues. Yep. Uh, but suffice to say, it was estimate well in, in about mid February they were they were net long. It was over two hundred thousand contracts of corn, and the, and the funds were net negative wheat at that point. So at some point, one of them is going to give. Somebody's going to start buying wheat or selling corn, and it looked like wheat continued to go down. And so now they sold out of their corn. And 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 the other thing that hindered the market here is just sort of this whole cautionary approach to anything owning right no owning anything right now look at the stock market really plunged we had a couple 500 down days in the dow jones so big plunges in other markets very careful money management not trying to hold on to too much of, i think too heavy long positions in particular the funds sure how about the soybean market as we look here wrapping up the week uh, you know may beans closing 1507. I, I looked just on the week. We were down there a little bit. May was down 11 and three quarters. November down 15 and a half. It, it, do you feel like the soy market's still holding up a little bit better compared to, say, corn and wheat right now? Uh, I do. We know South America's harvesting, and, and, and we'll get back to that on, on, on Brazil's harvest, and we'll get back yeah. to the corn. But 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 the, the, the WASDE report we had out 
yep. favorable for beans. So you got to cut and carry out, and and the market's held. That doesn't mean the market's going to you know run higher, but it helps to solidify support for the market when you're talking about very tight ending stocks. Corn, on the other hand, the bet was we wouldn't see much negative, much positive, but we would get some positive out of the world numbers with reductions in Argentina's corn. Sure enough, we get reduction in Argentina corn, but then the USDA lowered the world feed usage. In fact, substitute wheat in for corn. So the world projected carryout rather than down 3 million metric tons, increased a million metric tons. Mm -hmm. And so you got another sort of connect the not dots negative. Should I be holding these many long corn positions if I'm a manager or just if I'm just a trader? Uh, you know, I've got yeah. too many contracts. I'm getting margin call. I didn't get a favorable report today. So it's all of those things combined often have, have a, a, a say in the market. And how much this week, uh, the outside markets, the Fed speaking on Capitol Hill and just the, out that tone of the outside markets, the stock market, inflation worries, it felt like we traded a few more of the headlines there versus supply-demand fundamentals this week. Well, Brian. I think we have, and, 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 and definitely the market's concerned about higher interest rates and inflation and lower uh, lower recoveries in economies and, yep. and all those things. The biggest the biggest thing that I take that, that I take away in that though is that everything's a little bit more expensive when you raise interest rates and storing corn is more expensive and you have more bills. So the idea that you're going to be a little quicker to get rid of inventory probably was also a factor in, in this week's market. But I alluded to Little to Brazil before, about 30% of their crop that they're planting is beyond the optimal plant time window. So one thing to consider or think about there is that while the corn market's been under pressure the last couple of weeks, mm -hmm. expect volatility could pick up. If there's some issues with growing crop in Brazil, there's no wiggle room with Argentina's corn crop because no. it's no it's no good. Let's just call it no good. So so this could be you know the start of some a springboard here, but I don't want to overpromise and underdeliver here. Uh, but it's not quite ideal in Brazil. So thinking about some of what's going on with Brazil, thinking about just this general tone of the market, you and I talk about this a lot when we chat each week. Risk management, obviously, it, it has to come back to that and, and making sure you're on the ball and not being complacent with, with your marketing here, especially just with how this market is, is trading and acting as of late. You know, I was thinking a lot about what you and I have talked about in the past, about risk management and, yep. and then in, in lots and lots of conversations with, with farmers, either trade shows or customers, and sort of the mindset or attitude, well, last year prices rallied, you know, and look at supply, it's pretty tight, and there's no room for air, all that same type of language. The war continues on. And, and as I've thought about that, it's okay to be bullish. I mean, that's fine. But, yep. but have that backup plan or strategy that if, if the market doesn't move as we think, that it doesn't hinder you. It doesn't hurt you. You don't have all your eggs in one basket. So think about strategy. Think about, okay, I, I'm, you know, I think corn can move higher. I know I don't want to sell too soon, but think about, well, how much is the cost of holding the corn? What do you really want to get out of this? Is there maybe a better way to be friendly corn, but not take the risk with the amount of inventory that you have on hand, mm -hmm. especially when prices are high. Sometimes the market doesn't need a reason to go lower. Gravity yeah. just pulls it down. Very true. I want to touch on livestock. Uh, we got a couple minutes here. Cattle hogs on the day, Friday, 
Really good day. The hog market cattle, not so much. Maybe you felt just a little bit of spreading between the two. Do you think that was the case, Brian? I think it was some profit taking on the spreads, right? The, yeah. the cattle have had a good run. They've stayed bullish. The hogs, the hogs have gotten over their skis. The futures market has been well above where the cash market is. Cash hasn't moved up fast enough. Leaves the hog market vulnerable to break. So I think the traders have been buying the good cash in in the uh, live cattle and buying mm -hmm. the futures against that cash and selling the poor cash in the hog market or lack of cash movement in the hog and selling the premium that futures offered to cash. And it looked like today they probably just reversed out of that position some. Yeah. Got a got another minute or two here. I'll, I'll leave it open to you. Final thoughts just as you, you think about this market, the way it's acted this week. Anything else we haven't touched on you want to mention or reiterate for today, Well, Brian? I think I'll reiterate that that when markets move, they move fast and it's hard. It, that, that gets emotional, hard to make decisions. So so I sound like a broken record, but, you know, really take stock of where you're at, what the value is of something you have. It's Like I said, it's okay to be bullish. It's okay to be have an opinion on the market, but recognize that the market doesn't always move the way you want or on your timetable. So, you know, Think about that. That's that gets really important. Think also too when you're at higher price levels. Some of the other things, or talk to your advisor about well, what things are you looking at that would lean you toward being cautious or careful? I've been kind of cautious this corn market. We've had inverted prices. You've had a lack of export sales. The market's told you wants your corn sooner than later. You're at a high price historically. You know these things should all start to resonate. That if you don't have a lot of big, robust, bullish things and bullish news. That it leaves the market vulnerable to break, especially when the funds are as long as they are. So, so kind of keep you know aligned to all of those things, mm -hmm. and and that'll help you make good decisions too. Well, Brian, I know folks can reach out for advice, totalfarmmarketing.com. They can give you a, a phone call. They can send you an email. A lot of ways to get in touch with you if they need questions answered, can't they? Yeah, they sure can. So, so of the trifecta, what I would tell you is I think that we've got. Um, uh, a wonderful website. So I'll start with that, uh, totalfarmmarketing.com. And then we move from there uh, up to our email. So Brian with a Y at totalfarmmarketing.com. Shoot me an email. And then if um, uh, if you want to call me, great. We'd love to have the conversation. 800-334-9779. A lot of times I can hear things a lot better than I can in an yeah, email. Very true. Brian, I, I got to say, Thank you. Uh, you were one of the first analysts, I think. I think the first analyst I ever interviewed 11 years ago. You were on the first podcast edition of Market Talk. You've been on the first radio edition of Market Talk. And it's uh, it's great to have you here with me at uh, Commodity Classic. Thanks so much for the time today. Appreciate it. Thanks, Jess. I couldn't be more honest. Brian Doherty with Total Farm Marketing. We'll continue our conversation with the National Corn Growers Association. Coming up after this, back with more Market Talk on the way right after the break. Today's episode of Market Talk is supported by Growmark and its FS and grain member cooperatives. More information is available at growmark.com. 54. So, basically, it's too late to start saving for retirement, right? Not right. Starting to save, even in your 50s, can really make a difference. Well, right now, saving seems hard to wrap my head around. Plus, with the way this year's been going... <laughs> hey, listen, it's okay. You still got this. Just go to aceyourretirement.org. It's an online tool from AARP that can help you get your retirement savings on track no matter your age. It's free and only takes about three minutes. I like three minutes. Yeah. At aceyourretirement.org, you'll chat with Avo, the friendly digital retirement coach. 
Just answer a few questions and you'll get a personalized plan and tips to help boost your retirement savings. Tips that are easy to understand and tailored to your lifestyle. I like that too. Plus, it's sponsored by AARP, so you know they got your back. Just head to aceyourretirement.org and make your plan to start saving for retirement. Thanks. That's aceyourretirement.org. A message from AARP and the Ad Council. You are not your diagnosis. A medical chart is not your identity. And vision loss does not define you. Your drive shows who you are. And you are not alone. Because we are driven too. To be a beacon of strength. A champion of courage. An advocate for hope. You are not alone. Because we are stronger together. We drive the research for the cures we are finding. We're fighting macular degeneration. Retinitis pigmentosa. Usher syndrome. And the entire spectrum of blinding retinal diseases. We fund. We fight. We We win. We, we, we We are are the the Foundation foundation Fighting fighting blindness. Blindness. Together, we are fighting blindness. Join the fight at fightingblindness.org. Why are more people heating their homes with FS Propane? Because it's better to work with a company that lives and works in the same community that you do. When it comes to the comfort of your family, trust FS. We have highly trained service professionals who monitor your system for proper operation, safety, and maximum efficiency. So you can be sure that FS Propane will leave your family with a good, warm feeling all season long. Contact your local FS Propane specialist today. FS Propane feels like home. Visit fspropane.com for more information. Corn is native to the American continents and was unknown to the rest of humanity until Columbus arrived in the New World in the 15th century. It took less than 100 years after Columbus's discovery for corn to be introduced to farmers in Asia, Africa, Europe, and the Pacific Islands. After wheat and rice, corn is the third most cultivated crop in the world. The four nations that purchase the most corn from the United States are Mexico and Colombia, who use it as a food ingredient, and Japan and South Korea, who buy it mainly for animal feed. Around one-third of the corn grown in the United States is eaten by livestock, another third is used in the production of ethanol fuel, and the rest is either consumed by humans, exported to other nations, or used industrially. Now that's sweet corn, that's the variety that most Americans grill or boil for cookouts or just eat straight out of a can with a spoon, accounts for just 1% of all corn grown in the United States. These Farm Facts brought to you by the American Ag Network. The landscape of media has changed and people are more skeptical than ever about where they get their news and information. While major news outlets show decreasing credibility, your local farm radio station still shows strong marks. In a recent survey, farmers rated information from their farm broadcasters as almost twice as reliable as major news outlets. Farm radio continues to be transparent, honest, and trustworthy. This message brought to you by the National Association of Farm Broadcasting. Hi, I'm news correspondent Bob Woodruff. In 2006, a roadside bomb struck the armored vehicle I was riding in while reporting from Iraq. I sustained a life-threatening traumatic brain injury. The military term, got your six, means I have your back. And that day, our service members had mine. During my recovery, I learned firsthand the challenges facing our service members who return home with injuries. While serving, their fellow service members always had their six. Now that they're home, it is our turn. 
We started the Bob Woodruff Foundation to make sure that the camaraderie and support they relied on in the military carries on, and we need you. Please join us as part of the Got Your Six initiative and help us be there for impacted veteran service members and their families. They've had our backs. It's time we have theirs. Learn more at gotyoursix.org. That's gotyoursix.org. Using the number six. This episode of Market Talk is supported by Growmark and its FS and grain member cooperatives. More information is available at growmark.com. Bringing you the ag information you need. This is Market Talk. Now, back to Jesse Allen. And we continue here live in Orlando, Florida, Commodity Classic 2023, here with our friends at the National Corn Growers Association. Jesse Allen back with you here, and we're continuing our trade-related discussion. Joining me once again, our friends with the NCGA, Troy Schneider, Jim Bauman with us. And, uh, gentlemen, just thinking about trade as a whole, free trade agreements, uh, we hear, we've been hearing a lot about this. We've been hearing about, you know, the administration necessarily not going after new free trade agreements, things like that. And I want to get into the weeds on this a little bit, but just to start, I mean, talk about what is a free trade agreement? What we hear these terms all the time. What is an FTA? Can can we just briefly explain what it is? Okay. Free trade agreement. It's between two countries. Uh, We sit down, we, we go over, we break the barriers down as to what we're going to trade. And it's that agreement that helps us move forward and balances things out so it it just moves things forward and i know partnering with organizations such as the u.s grains council a lot of work is done you know behind the scenes to educate folks on trade but also to advocate and to work with the administration to look at different free trade agreements and i i just think about you know where our ftas are currently i believe the u.s has 14 ftas with 20 different countries as we try to expand and try to grow to different markets, but it just seems like we haven't had that expansion as of late. Yeah, Jesse, you're, you're spot on. I mean, when you're talking about 14, it does sound like a big number, but in comparison to the rest of the world, uh, Europe, uh, China, et cetera, there's others that have dramatically more, double in some situations more as far as free trade agreements. That makes their their trade uh, more, more liquid. Uh, it makes it much more fluid. Uh, it makes it much more easy for those goods to transfer in and out of those countries. So we're missing out on some of those opportunities. Um, and, and it's really crucial for us to, to look to build and expand upon uh, the free trade agreements that we do have on the table. And also, uh, as we talked a little bit earlier, uh, enforcing those free trade agreements that we have on the table as well. Because if you're not willing to enforce it, then you're not going to be able to establish new free trade agreements and have any validity behind those, any backbone backbone behind those. Yeah. So to talk, Jim mentioned... Uh, what we were talking about earlier with the USMCA, that wasn't a new trade agreement. That was a modification to NAFTA. Yeah. I I believe the number is we have not had a new trade agreement with a new country in 12 years. Wow. I I mean, that goes back to the Obama administration. And I didn't even realize that. So that's, I mean, to me, that is, that is entirely too long to not have something done. And I think about, you know, some of these emerging markets where, there could be an appetite for U.S. corn or our friends at soy, or there could be an appetite for beef, pork, etc. I mean, you think about some of the emerging countries in Southeast Asia, think of Africa, Central America. There, there's so many 
there's so many opportunities out there. I just I think what's it going to take? What what does it take to get excited in the administration and excited to make new free trade agreements? No, I, <laughs> I didn't mean to stump you guys. No, that. no, that's okay. Um, I think what it's going to take is for our producers, uh, whether they're in corn, whether they're in soy, pork, beef, their voice in Washington, D.C., to constantly beat down that wall, to knock on that door and say, this is important to us. You know, when we export more beef, whether it's with the United States Meat Export Federation, that product puts value. Exports bring value to beef, and that value then comes back in the, in, in the price of corn as well because it puts more money in our pockets. So with a rising middle class around the world, especially in, the, in Asia, looking over to Africa, when they get a taste of U.S. beef, they want to come back to it. And as they become more affluent, when that middle class is rising, they want that product there. So why don't we have those? Why don't we have those free trade agreements in place? And it goes back to we have to have our voice heard in D.C. And it has to be something that is important. Coming from Colorado, my corn doesn't get exported in the form of corn going down the Mississippi River. My corn, if it's exported, gets exported in the belly of in beef or yeah. pork because pork is our number or beef is our number one export in the state of Colorado. We're the fourth largest beef exporter. And it goes to Canada. So it's one of those things that agreement works. And if they would, if, if they would shut down the exports into Canada, if, if Canada would shut that down, that would damage our price, not only in Colorado, but around the country. And so it's a domino effect and we have to stay on top of it. Definitely. Jim, final thoughts. It's, it's really contingent upon NCJ and other trade associations to help with the education portion, making sure our members understand why trade agreements matter and then how to go and advocate effectively for those, uh, what, regardless of the administration that's in, in power currently. Uh, we do a trade school uh, where we bring in growers um, from both, uh, basically any, any growers that are interested are welcome to join yeah. trade school. We walk them through a day and a half, two days of uh, intense education around why free trade agreements matter, kind of how they're structured, uh, how, how to go out and tell that story as well. And that's, that's really important to keep that, uh, that education piece in place. Got about a minute, and I just want to thank you both for being on the show today. Thank the corn growers for having us here on Market Talk and record-breaking attendance here at Commodity Classic. I, I think it's always great to uh, to get together with folks and, and talk with producers and, and have meetings and have discussions. I, I think this has been a great convention so far this year. What do you guys think? I definitely think it has been. Yeah, that record number is growing every day. We're talking about it. Uh, we're at a level I think we haven't seen since 2016. Yeah. Uh, or we've passed that level, I should say, that high water mark. And, you know, it's just no different than the National Cattlemen's Convention and Trade Show down there in New Orleans earlier this year. It's a family reunion, and it's good to start to see people after COVID. There's people here that, you know, we some people we haven't seen since before the, the pandemic. So yeah. it's good to be back together with everybody. Definitely. Yeah. And if you're, if you're listening online today and you've never been to Commodity Classic, Make sure, make sure you make a trip one of these years. Next yep, year we'll be definitely. in Houston. Great opportunity to, to, to come down and, and hang out with your fellow fellow farmers. Yep. Couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. Troy Schneider, Jim Bauman with the National Corn Growers Association. Thank you both for being with us here today. We appreciate it. That is going to do it for Market Talk here, live from Commodity Classic in New Orleans. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks to Brian Doherty for joining us with Markets. I'm Jesse Allen. Have a great rest of your day. Thanks for tuning in to Market Talk.
Market Talk is supported by Grow Market, its FS and grain member cooperatives. More information can be found online at growmark.com.